0: Welcome, everyone, to this new episode of Heavy Forehands with Toro. I hope you guys like this new intro I was working on. It's still a work in progress. I'm still getting better. Uh, Content creation is a new skill that I'm working on. Uh, Hopefully, we can continue learning together. But, man, I love the clapping towards the end. It gets me hyped. It gets me energized to start talking about tennis. And Yeah, let's jump right into it. But before... Uh, First of all, I just want to say thank you all uh, to the people, to the listeners that uh, listened to my first episode when I was talking about the Wimbledon final, where Carlitos Alcaraz beat Novak Djokovic, and and I already received some great feedback that I plan to incorporate into these new upcoming episodes, and one of the questions that I received was, Felipe, why don't you speak about yourself, tell us about you, uh, tell us about your background, and uh, yeah, I, I just didn't want to um, go off topic, like the plan of the podcast, the goal of the podcast is to speak about the professional tour level, uh, talk about the tournaments, uh, news, results, and any trends in the, at the professional tour level. That's why I, I haven't shared much about myself, but if you guys want the quick one-minute intro, the, the elevator pitch, uh, as we say in finance, I can give you the background. Um, so, yes, I played tennis since I was 8 years old. I'm 24 right now, so 16 years into the sport. And I mean, still love it. I still play it. When I was 10 years old, I started playing tournaments more often. And since I was 10 until I was 18 years old, I played the grade 3, grade 2, grade 1 in Argentina. And I also traveled quite a bit throughout South America. I think I went to each country in South, South America. Um, I had a lot of fun and when I was 18 years old I came to the States and played college tennis for Utah State Uh, and we we did pretty well we were top 50 in the nation uh, in a couple of years and I graduated back in May 22 also before that uh, I spent some summers playing futures and I got a couple of ATP points um, uh, which was really fun as well Uh, but now I'm pretty much removed from the sport. I, I I work in finance and but I still play tennis often. I'm I'm a tennis fanatic. I still watch all the tournaments and and play maybe five or six times a week actually. So try to stay in shape. And and yeah, that's why I wanted uh, to start this podcast because since I still um, I still love tennis and I still watch most of the major tournaments, I wanted to give my opinion, I wanted to give my point of view about the sport. Uh, but happy to dive in more if any of you guys uh, want me to expand on any of uh, of the points that I just uh, talked about, just please let me know in the comments or DM me on Instagram and I will talk I will talk about it in the next episodes. So now, yeah, let's jump into the, this new episode and let's talk about this wonderful sport that tennis is. All right, guys, in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing three ATP tournaments. We're going to get started with the final of the Bastard tournament or the Nordia Open. I'm for sure mispronouncing the word Bastard. So uh, please, uh, to my Swedish buddies, please correct my my pronunciation. And the second tournament we're going to be discussing is going to be the Gastad tournament that is played in Switzerland. And then we're going to be closing out this week's episode with the tournament in Newport, which is considered the Forgotten Grass tournament. Um, I'm considered an important tournament because there is a lot of tradition, but many tennis fans think that it's kind of unnecessary for the players, given that the main tournament event in grass is Wilmington and was completed last week. But still, it's important for the American people. It's important for players that have a big serve and a, maybe they play serve and volley so they get stronger in the surface. So, okay, guys, let's jump right into it. All right, guys, let's get going. Let's discuss this first tournament, the final in Bostad, Sweden, where Ander Ruble played against Kasper Ruud. Andre Ruble on the way to the final beat Francisco Serundulo on a really tight semifinal matchup where he beat uh, a fellow Argentinian 6-3 in the third set. Uh, I'm sad for Fran. He had a couple of chances on that third set. Um, But Andre is a really good player, and Fran continues to have uh, this great season in 2023. On the other side of the draw, we had Casper Root beating Lorenzo Musetti in straight sets in a in an easier match for him uh, than Andre's semifinals. Going into this final, I had Casper um, as a favorite. Going into this final, I had Casper as a favorite. He made the finals in the French Open, and always in clay, he gets so much stronger. He has that heavy forehand that he can hit and push all the other players around. And despite not being having the best 2023 calendar year so far, um, the last clay court event he played um, was great. Um, however, on the other side of the table, the other side of the court, we have Andrey Rublev who won his first Master 1000 event this year uh, while beating Rune in the final of the Monte Carlo event tournament. So it is the it is a great final. It's the number four in the world, Casper Ruud against Ander Rublev, number seven in the world, and and both of them they have kind of like a similar game style, meaning that they both like to hit with their forehand and being aggressive and move the player around. Uh, they are considered aggressive baseliner baseliners, but I would say that Casper had that a little more spin to his ball and tried to hit a little bit higher over the net. However, Rublev stays a little closer to the baseline and hits the ball flatter through the court. And for the conditions that we had today, Sunday, it was raining, so that makes the court a little bit slower. Um, There was still a lot of humidity after the rain. Uh, So that makes the ball bounce slower and slower. And that makes a shot that is hit through the court a little bit better for uh, these conditions. Uh, for the clay quarters that like to hit spin, they prefer when it's sunny out there and the courts are really dry, so the ball kind of like reacts a lot. Uh, and that's kind of like the favorite condition for Casper uh, Um that's, that's something that happens when they play on the French Open. The summer is starting and, and it's usually really sunny, so that's why he plays usually really well on the French. So right from the get-go, the conditions were better for Andrew Rublev. Uh, however, these players, they can adapt. So Casper uh, still, um, still was a favorite for, for this matchup, being the number four in the world. Early, early in the match, early in the first set, uh, we see Rublev being a little more aggressive than Casper. He was playing closer to the baseline and taking advantage of that ball that wasn't bouncing as high. And Ruble played really well on the backhand side. He's usually the guy who, who has the first chance to go around and hit a forehand. He usually takes that chance. But in this instance, he was able to change down the line with the backhand really well. And that put Casper um, Root out of position because he usually stands in the middle of the court and one step toward his left. And that gave him the opportunity to, to go around and hit that inside-in and that inside-out inside out forehand. But in this instance, by hitting that backhand down the line, Rublev was able to put Root out of position and take the initiative of the point. The first set was really tight. They get to the breaker, and under Rublev played a little more aggressive on that breaker and, and gets the breaker and the set for 7-6. And the second set, Andre Ruble plays lights out. He played unbelievable tennis. He played amazing. He continued to be aggressive both on the forehand and the backhand. And because he was hitting the ball really big, uh, maybe even more than he usually does, he was having the opportunity to to play closer to the baseline and push Casper Root back. We gave him the chance to even hit drop shots. Um, he's usually the kind of guy who tried to overheat the other player, but in this instance, um, because he was closer to the baseline and Kasper was behind the baseline, he was able to hit some drop, sh- drop shots and, and mix up his game style a little bit. Andrev broke really early on in that second set, and, and Ruth didn't play badly, but he didn't adjust his game. I will say that he continued to be the defensive player throughout the second set, uh, and André Andrew Ruble continued to get stronger and stronger and and beat Root 6-0 in that second set. So it was 7-6, 6-0 for André Ruble uh, to win the Boston Open, the Nordia Open, which is a tournament who he previously won in 2021. So good for him on getting that title again. Congrats to both players. Um, Congrats to the finalists, Casper, who is having a great year, and Andre, who continues to have a great year, and both of the players, they continue to consolidate as the next-gen, as the uh, solid top-10 players. Both of the players are now going to go and play in Hamburg, Germany, so it's going to be a really quick turnaround. Uh, They must be taking the plane right now. They must be already there in Germany and trying to maybe get a hit in before uh, before the, their first round match. Rublev is going to be playing Zapata Mirales from Spain, who is having a really great year uh, getting into the top 100 in the world. And Casper Ruud is going to be playing Seba Baez uh, from Argentina, um, which hopefully Seba can play against a Ruud that is tired from playing several matches this week, and hopefully Seba can get a win. So that's pretty much it about the Boston Open, where Ruud won the tournament. Let's move on to the Gas Open, which is played in Switzerland. In the final, we had Pedro Cachin from Argentina, another fellow Argentinian, against Albert Ramos Vignolas. Uh, clay court grinder has been on the tour for several years now, and he's always dangerous when they play on clay court. Pedro Cachin continues to be having the best year of his career so far. Um, he, he's top 100 in the world. In this tournament, he beat Roberto Bautista Good, that's his best career win so far. And he also beat the Serbian player Medjet Dobik. Uh, please, for my. Serbian friends, please uh, correct my pronunciation. I'm I'm sure that I mispronounced that word, that last name. And on the other side of the draw, we have Albert Ramos vignolas who beat another Serbian player, uh, in this case, um, in this case, Kepmanovic. So going into this final, I would say Albert was the favorite. He had played multiple. Um, Finals in, on clay court, um, and Pedro Cachin was the first final in this in this instance uh, in an ATP 250 event. However, Pedro was having is having the best ye- year of his career so far. So he's he was reaching this match with um, all the confidence he could get. And in terms of game style, they are both clay courters. Um, Albert Ramos viñola has a He's a lefty, so he has a really good cross-court forehand. He has kind of like that whip that he makes the ball bounce high on on the backhand side of a right, of a righty player. Um, and on the other side, you have Pedro, who is really versatile, actually. He he can make a lot of balls, and he has both a good back and a good forehand. Uh, he has a really like open grip on the forehand side, but he can still hit it heavy. Uh, and when he gets close to the court... He can flatten the short out. And once he starts getting closer to the baseline, he can hit drop shots, he come to the net, and mix up the the pace um, and mix up his game a little bit. So it was going to be an interesting match. And it's going to be a classic match where Rallis, uh was going to be kind of long, a classic clay court grind that we all like. Early in the first set, Ramos Vignolas was playing more aggressive than Pedro. Instead of uh, hitting that heavy forehand, he was more stepping in and hitting closer to the net. He was ripping that forehand and putting Pedro Cachín out of position. Pedro couldn't uh, get in position and try to hit his forehand towards the backhand of Ramos. Uh, Ramos was going around, and from the middle, he was getting ready to hit that forehand and rip the ball and, and being aggressive. And, and, and Pedro couldn't um, adjust quickly. So the first set was for Ramos-Vignolas, 6-3. But in the second set, Pedro uh, adjusted his game. He started being more aggressive. And Albert-Vignolas started missing those forehands. And he started missing kind of like wild wild misses, Uh, meaning it wasn't like a 10-centimeter miss. It was more like like half a meter out. And that's because uh, he was kind of like overplaying early on that second set. Uh, and Pedro started gaining more confidence. Uh, he broke early on that second set uh, and continued stepping his game. Like I said, he likes to hit uh, a couple of balls from the baseline, uh, but as soon as he has a chance, he's able to uh, to flatten out his shots and also hit drop shots and come in. So he did that in the second set and took the set 6-0, which was kind of unexpe- unexpected on this in this final um, after. Albert won that first set. I thought he he, he would be taking the title home. Um, I was, of course, um, uh, supporting Pedro Cachin, another fellow Argentinian, uh, and good for him. That's a way to battle out. Uh, that's, that's a way to show consistency, show some persistence, uh, and take the match to the third set. That momentum of the second set continue into uh, that third set. Pedro Cachin broke early on. Alvarez uh, Ramos Viola serve and, and held serve and continue. Both of the players continue to hold serve in the third set until Pedro Cachin is up 4-2, and that's the position you're gonna be. He's up 4-2 and he's receiving, so he can kind of like go big on this game and try to get a second break and go up 5-2 and close out for his first. ATP 250 title. So he was in the position he wanted to be. Uh, however, Ramos Viñolas as as a good grinder that he is, he continued to fight and uh, he held her there and then he noticed that there were some nerves on Pedro Cachin's uh, mind. And uh, the next game Pedro was serving 4-3 and, and at 15 all, Pedro hit a really bad drop shot um Bad meaning that Albert Ramos running to the ball and almost hit a ball in shoulder height. <laughs> so that that kind of drop shot. We all have hit in that drop shot. So it happens to the best of us, right? It happens to the best players like Pedro is. Uh, so yeah, Albert realized that maybe Pedro was nervous um, and broke back and put the score at 4 all. However, Pedro continued to be persistent and, and continued trying to play that game of uh, pushing Vignola's back, and when having the chance, trying to step in and being aggressive, and he continued to be brave. He continued to uh, flatten out his shots when he had the chance uh, in the last couple of games of the third set. Both of the players held serve from so for four for all, they went on to five all, and here Pedro played a great game. Actually, he I remember he hit a big down-the-line winner with a forehand, and went on to break the serve and go to serve 6-5 to close out his first ATP 250 title. And, man, he played with great decision on that game. Uh, he closed out the match on, on 40-15. On that match point, on that championship point, he served big on the first serve. Ramos Villanueva returned um, the ball. He put it on the court, but kind of short. And... Pedrito Cachin stepped in on the backhand, took it early, and ripped it cross-court to close out with a winner his first ATP 250 title. Congrats to Pedro Cachin. Congrats to his team. Um, Congrats also to Albert Ramos, who continues to be a competitive tennis player despite his age. Uh, He's over 30 years old already. and Both of these players are going to continue playing uh, in the following week. Um, Pedro Cachin is going to be playing in Hamburg, while um, Albert Ramos Miolas is going to go and play in New Mag. So these players, they don't get a break. They just keep going. Um, so both of them, they're going to have to reset, get, um, get the tools that work on this past week, try to adjust what didn't work, because even for Pedro, um, for sure he has things that he wants to improve on, and, and get ready for the next tournament that is coming. Uh, they might be playing tomorrow, or the day after tomorrow. And Vamos Argentina, that's the third title for for the Argentinians uh, this year. Sebastián Baez won in Córdoba this year, and then Francisco Cerundulo won in Starburn, and now we have Pedro Cachín winning in Gastad, Switzerland. All right, guys, let's close out this episode of heavy forehands with Toro with the last tournament to be reviewed, the last final to be reviewed, which is the final play between Alex Mitchelson, uh the youngster, the 18-year-old who played against Adrian Manarino from France in the Newport Open. Alex Michelson, like I said, really young player. He's just committed to play in University of Georgia. But we'll see if he ends up playing, given that he's been having great results on the tour and also on the on the Challenger Tour as well. And we have Adrian Manarino. Um, there is not much to say. Everyone knows this player. He has so much experience on on the tour. He He's 35 years old. He's been, at least for the last 10 years, uh, I believe top 50, top 60 in the world. He had a great career so far. And, and he's a great... Grass core player um, because he has really a really short take back on both swings, but he's the ball in front of him and really flat. So after the bounce, the ball doesn't bounce high; it just kind of like skids, and it is really tough for these uh, new players that they have like really close grips and they like to hit the ball kind of like heavy with a lot of topspin, and it's really hard to do. against Manarino's ball in any surface, and it's even worse on grass. It's just that ball doesn't bounce at all, um, and Manarino is a really good mover. Despite being 35 years old, he looks like 25. He's he's really fit. Uh, He's really light on his feet. So going into this uh, tournament, both of them, they had uh, great matchups, great matches before. Uh, the final, Alex Michelsen beat a bunch of Americans going into the final. Actually, he beat Maxine Cressy, another uh, college player, uh, McDonald, uh, another college player, and John Isner, another college player. Um, John Isner uh, had he, so John Isner is 38 years old. So the age gap between um, Alex Michelsen and John Isner is 20 years. That's that's insane. Look at the is look at this battle of the generations of the next gen coming up and, and this like classic generation of players that, that they continue to be solid and continue to be um, delivering results at, uh, at the tour level. Also, for this final, we're going to have um, an age gap of 17 years old. Uh, and the favorite, I would say, was Manarino. Manarino is a grass core player, like I said before. He made the finals in Mallorca where he lost against uh, Chris Eubanks, American, another college player. This is kind of like a theme that is repeating itself. Um, yeah, yeah, he lost in the final of the Mallorca Open, but he's always uh, a protagonist. on so Wimbledon, he made four rounds several times. Uh, so that's what I put Adrian Marino as the favorite, and, and finally I'm right. Finally, I make a good prediction of these matchups. So far in the last uh, in these two episodes, I haven't been delivering good predictions. Uh, so I'm gonna get better. I, I'm usually pretty good at those. <laughs> and yes, I, I put experience as the as the main reason for Marino to win this this match. And really early on the. Uh, the, French, the French monkey put pressure uh, to Alex. Uh, Alex felt the pressure of playing his first final ATP 250 event. Um, and Manarino didn't let go f- uh, early on. He broke the serve twice in that first set. Uh, and playing that consistent tennis, but with that rally ball, that is really hard to return. And, and maybe Alex made a couple of mistakes that he wasn't making in these previous rounds. So it was first set, 6 2 for Adriano Manarino. Alex, as uh, a good competitor that he is, he, he tried to find a way uh, on that second set of maybe being more aggressive. Uh, he starts serving a little bigger in that first game of the second set. He's usually a, a really good ball striker that makes a lot of balls and picks up the paces. But I think he realized that Adriano Manarino was too comfortable on the rally, so he tried to put a little more pressure in the first ball and second ball of the, of the rally. And that kind of worked, actually, for Alex. He held her in the first uh, service game, so he went up 1-0, and then he broke. So that was the the dream start in that second set, 2-0 for Alex Michelsen. However... Uh, he couldn't consolidate his game. He didn't hold serve, uh, and he let Adrian Marino to get back on serve. Um, so it was 1-2. Um, from then, both of the players continued to hold serve until they reached the 4 of that second set, and they played that classic uh, ninth game um, of a set. It's the famous uh, tennis game where any tennis player, If you are a pro tennis player or amateur player, you want to break on that game and go to serve for for the set. And that's exactly what happened. Adrian Manarino broke the serve of Alex and went on to close out the match after at the 5-4, making a lot of first serves and closing out the match 6-4. And this was the third ATP title for Adrian Manarino, which is kind of crazy if you start thinking. He, He had a fairly decent long career so far. Uh, he's been top hundred for maybe ten plus years or around that, and he only won three titles That's, uh that speaks about tennis on how tough it is how competitive imagine uh imagine maybe the best players they play thirty to thirty five weeks of the year, and maybe they they're only the winner on only one or two weeks and we're talking about now that Adrian Manino was only the winner on three. Uh, three times on three weeks. Uh, but anyways, uh, congrats to Adrian. This is really well-deserved. He continues to be in great shape. shape. He continues to be a great uh, grass-court player. Uh, and I think heading into uh, the U.S. Open Series events, he's going to be a, uh, an important player there. He's going to put pressure into the big guys. And now on the other side, Alex Michelsen, congrats for him for his first... Uh, ATP 250 event final. Um, he's going to be a great player. He has a great future ahead of him, no doubt. And I think he he shouldn't go and play college tennis. He should go and continue to play the pro tour. Um, the main reason is that he already has the level. Uh, I think um, once you once you reach that level. Um, I think you should continue to be playing these top 100, 150 players and get into that rhythm, get into that intensity. and uh, he continues to play these better players than him, he's going to raise his bar. Uh, he's also relatively uh, small inside. He still has a lot to develop. If he starts putting a little, a couple more pounds on his frame, his ball is going to get bigger, his serve is going to get bigger, and he can do like a lot of damage on the tour. And this is not the advice I usually give. I usually uh, tell the average tennis player who is 18, 19 years old, go and play college tennis. Uh, I mean, and that's what I did. I, I played college tennis for Utah State. Uh, and I always say that that was a great experience. And that's usually my advice uh, for the average tennis player. But for for Alex, if he goes and plays college tennis, he will be the best player on the tour uh, on, on, on the on the ITA. Um so he will go into any match and be uh and be the player to beat. So he will have to play with a lot of pressure, which is good, but you wanna be playing players that are better than you as well. You wanna have a nice mix of playing better players than you, playing players on the same level and playing uh players that are worse than you. So I think he will not have that balance in college tennis and he should go and play pro tennis. And, yes, guys, this is, um, that's pretty much it about the three tournaments. College tennis is a theme that is going to continue to repeat itself. Uh, it's going to continue to be heard. And I'm going to be launching an episode about college tennis uh, fairly soon. If there in some of the quiet weeks where there are no tournaments, I'm going to launch an episode about my experience, uh, my advice, why I recommend college tennis as a great alternative. Uh, I'm going to be discussing how I got recruited, uh, how were the practices, how were the trainings, um, what major I chose, what are the options that you have, and also some of the exit opportunities, uh, There are several opportunities to stay in the States, maybe to coach, maybe to get a regular job, or just maybe go back or play professional tennis. So college tennis gives you so many options, and I prefer to dedicate a whole episode to it rather than uh, scramble and get a couple sentences like I'm doing right now, and and um, going off topic, right? So that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, thank you for listening, um, f- listening to me talking about these three ATP tournaments that were played uh, this past week. There were also two exhibition tournaments played that include the Hopman Car Hopman Cup um, that Carlos Alcaraz uh, played that event, uh, like I said before, as well as the Ultimate Tennis Showdown. This is a really interesting event uh, where the rules are different, the, the format are, is different, and the fans are way more involved. And despite being an exhibition event, uh, all the players, they compete super hard. Um, and yeah, this tournament was this play in LA uh, this past weekend. And I'm going to be launching an episode, releasing an episode this uh, coming Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, only dedicated to the UTS the ultimate tennis showdown um so please uh stay tuned uh please t- keep checking my instagram where i uh usually give some updates of the episodes i'm going to be releasing and i think that's going to be a really interesting one anyway guys uh thanks again for listening the second episode of heavy forehands with toro please guys continue to uh, give a like, uh, please subscribe, uh, leave a comment, uh, or pro- provide any type of feedback that uh, you guys see fit. Uh, the idea of this podcast is that we continue t- uh, to be diving into content that the listeners, you guys, the audience like. And um, and if you guys provide me any feedback, I'm going to try to incorporate um, your feedback into my content. And hopefully we keep... Uh, continue learning about this sport that is beautiful and continue enjoying uh, this sport that will continue growing and is getting better each year that's pretty much it guys so stay tuned for the next coming episodes to be released hopefully this coming Wednesday as I'm getting better on, on the editing process right and, and please follow me on social media at Feliacosta1 and have a great start of the week have a good one guys take care